Anybody who says that Israel has no right to exist beyond the 1967 lines is not someone who is pro-Israel. Anyone who gives a platform to speakers of the PA, Saeed Erekat spoke at a J Street convention. Peter Beinart speaks at J Street conventions. They had a speaker uh, a number of years ago who used to live in Israel. And she said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, actually I'm almost verbatim, where she said that we stole their land. We don't have a right to this country. She said this at a J Street conference. At a J Street conference. It's in my book, Israel Betrayed, which you can get on Amazon. All right, we'll put the link up. Cheap plug, right? My cheap plug there. There you go. And she said that if we want, we have a right to stay here as a protected minority in a Palestinian country. Now, who here, regardless of how far left you are, who here believes that really Jews are ever going to be a protected minority in a Palestinian country? Shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, in our eternal and undivided capital, Jerusalem. Today, I'm with Alan Skorsky, visiting from America. Alan, I think I'm going to let you say more about yourself, but what I know is you both have a media background and a very, uh, very active politically in America and active for Israel. So, want to give a little bit more background? Well, first of all, it is an honor to be with Avi Abelo. Oh. It's an honor to be in God's country in Israel, where even when it's raining outside, it's always a blessed it day. It is pouring outside. But it's a God. blessed day to be in yeah. Jerusalem. 100%. So uh, I live in New York, and as Avi said, I'm politically active there. Uh, I have um, active primarily on behalf of uh, pro-Israel issues. Um, and uh, we work with different organizations like Avi. We always try to get the truth out there. Uh, as many of you know who are activists, uh, we are up against, it's always an uphill battle when you have so many of our enemies who seek to delegitimize us okay. uh, in the halls of Congress and the media and academia. And so it's something that we, we never stop doing. And it's uh, one thing that we've learned uh, throughout this whole process is that um, we cannot allow or we cannot wait for organizations to do our fighting for us. Too many of us have said, well, APAC will take care of the fight for us or the ADL will. And as we've all learned is that if we don't do the fight ourselves, uh, we'll get buried by our enemies. No, 100%. That's definitely an issue um, uh, close to my heart and a message I try to get out there is do not rely on the organizations. Do not rely, even the organizations that people might be donating to. There are so many interests out there, so many conflicting interests. Uh, and at the end of the day, if something's important to you, then do it. Correct. Yeah. And get your friends and your neighbors and your community members. Don't wait for your rabbi. Don't wait for the big, big organizations. If it's important, do it, and people will join you. You can make a difference. And uh, we can't always rely and wait for the big organizations to take on these issues. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. Right. Many times they don't. And even if they do, sometimes it's only in a part of way because they can't step on toes on these donors or these politicians. right? But if it's important to you, do it. Do it using the, not the information you have, the, the language you believe is important to make a difference. And uh, it's us little people who make a difference in the world. Well, great. And again, you, you give a great example. Uh, you take the ADL as an example. Uh, recently, you know, there was a whole scandal and backlash because of Whoopi Goldberg's comments about the Holocaust being about race. And Jonathan Greenblatt took it upon himself to accept her apology on behalf of the Jewish people. And it wasn't long after that uh, Congresswoman AOC say, well, if Jonathan Greenblatt accepted her apology, then I guess it's time for all of us to move on. Uh, the organizations 
have their own agendas. Sometimes they coincide with our agenda. Other times it coincides with outside agendas, right. which also includes fundraising. Um, we have to fight. We are Jewish. We have to fight for ourselves, and we cannot rely on others to do our battles for us. Right. So listen, I think it's a wonderful opportunity because you do, you're at that nexus of involvement in, in American politics. Uh, you have your your pulse on, on American politicians, uh, re Republican, Democrat, and in terms of Jewish-Israel issues. What, what's your two cents on the state of American politics vis-a-vis -vis the American Jewish community and, and, and pro-Israel uh, issues and standing by Israel? So right now we are at a point where I never thought I would live to see. There used to be a time when they said, and you can say who they are right. any way you want, where both parties were pro-Israel, one more sincere than the other, but we were at a time when both parties could be relied upon to vote for Israel. Um, and then all that changed during the Obama administration where he made it okay to vote against Israel and still call yourself pro-Israel. And that was with the rise of J Street, where they said, uh, they call themselves pro-peace, pro-Israel, they are really pro-Palestinian. Um, any, anybody who says that Israel has no right to exist beyond the 1967 lines is not someone who is pro-Israel. Anyone who gives a platform to speakers of the PA, Saeed Arakat spoke at a J Street convention, Peter Beinart speaks at J Street conventions. They had a speaker uh, a number of years ago who used to live in Israel, and she said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, actually I'm almost verbatim, where she said that we stole their land. We don't have a right to this country. She said this at a J Street conference. At a J Street conference. It's in my book, Israel Betrayed, which you can get on Amazon. All right, we'll put the link up. Cheap plug, right? My cheap plug there. There you go. And she said that if we want, we have a right to stay here as a protected minority in a Palestinian country. Now, who here, regardless of how far left you are, who here believes that really Jews are ever going to be a protected minority in a Palestinian country? Now, never mind that there are quotes that you could fill books of from Palestinian leaders, from the Palestinian Authority, that they don't believe in two states, they do not recognize uh, any Jewish connection to Israel. So if they don't believe that there is a Jewish history connected to Israel, when you have a Kotel, when you have a Merad HaMachpelah and Hebron and all of our, our Jewish, going back to King David, right. if, you don't, if, if you accept what they say, then why, how can you possibly advocate for them to have a state that they're ever going to be true Furthermore, if you ever listen to anything coming out of a Democrat in Washington, they'll say we support a democratic Israel and an independent Palestinian state. Right. Notice they never say we support a democratic Israel next to a democratic Palestine. Right. So how? Because they know there is no democracy and it will be an apartheid state because already today Jews are forbidden even to enter because we could be afraid right. of getting killed at any moment. So ask yourself, again, if you're on the center left, if you really believe sincerely that you're being pro-Israel by taking this position, how is it in your interest as a Jew or as an American to advocate for a state that is going to be not only undemocratic but anti-democratic right on Israel's border? And if you think that merging the Palestinian Authority with Jordan is a threat to Jordan's uh, legitimacy and stability, imagine what they're going to be like on Israel's doorstep. So even the, the idea, the concept of two states at this point, you know, it, it, you're not being true to yourself. So 
you can take any position you want, but if you're not going to be true to yourself, then how do you expect Israel to follow your lead or to trust that you're looking out for their best interests? 100%. Listen, I, I want to go back to the to the to, to your insight on the U.S. politics and uh, and its state with the Jewish people and uh, and Israel, but just to follow what what you're talking about right now, something we we mentioned before we went before we uh, went live. Um, I told you the story about uh, someone actually who you interviewed. Right, uh, Ashraf Jabari, one of the heads of the uh, of, of the clans of one of the biggest clans in Hebron, who he is not. He, he may, uh, just so you understand, the there is again. I, I'm the, you guys know me. Politically incorrect truth is what can you get from me? There is no historical people called Palestinians. They have no right to a to to an ancestral homeland that doesn't belong to them. They're they're not a people. There are some Arabs who lived here. Some Arabs came from Saudi Arabia, from Egypt. Some Arabs who were forcibly converted from Islam, from Judaism to Islam, and lived here. But there is no historic Palestinian nation with with a right to any homeland. Right. So I don't. So this, so Jabari is the head of a clan. They have many many clans, right, of, who live in Judea and Samaria, Gaza, etc. And they hate each other and they fight within each other. Um, so Jabari is one of the biggest clans in uh, in Hebron, and he believes the best for his people is to rely on relationships with Jews yeah. and the Jewish state of Israel, because he, he wants to make sure his families of, of hundreds or thousands of families are provided for and for their children, and he does not trust the Hamas, which Hamas basically rules Hebron, um, uh, and he doesn't trust the Palestinian Authority. He's oppressed. He's a there. His family is his, uh, his clan is oppressed by both. He wants to work with Jews. He knows the Jews are the best. Well, for an economic coexistence, so he, together with all the other Arab uh, Muslim leaders in Judea and Samaria and uh, and and Israel at the time, were invited by President Trump to the economic conference in Abu Dhabi. Um, but he's the only one who went. Why? Because they were all threatened. All business leaders, right? Uh, all Arab Muslim business leaders, Judea and Samaria and Israel, were threatened by the Palestinian Authority that, uh, that they shouldn't go to the conference. He's the only one who went, right? And when he came back. He was kidnapped by the Palestinian Authority secret police and then tortured for half a year in an in a mm -hmm. underground cell, jail. Today he has a lisp and a limp because of being tortured and he is much less active than before, even though he still works on, on, on relationships with Israel because he knows he can only trust the Jewish state of Israel. Mm -hmm. So people who talk about the two-state solution, how do you expect to have a two-state solution and why should we sit down in peace talks with a Palestinian Authority who they torture their own people just about well, just trying to work on economic coexistence to benefit them. So there being so anyone in the know knows that the best future for Arab Muslims in Judea and Samaria and even Gaza are to be under Israel Jewish state of Israel control because they are oppressed and occupied by their own right. Hamas and Palestinian Authority. All right, but let's go back. You mentioned something. You actually you put Peter Peter Beinhart and Saib Arakat into the same category. Right. So can you expand upon that for, for, okay, for people so to better Peter understand? Calls himself a liberal Zionist. Uh, he had written a book called The Crisis of Zionism, which I had to read uh, when I incorporated it in my book, Israel Betrayed. Um, and he has, an, and I just have so many quotes from him. Uh, first of all, he, he, he's very critical of Orthodox Jewish holidays. For example, we celebrate Purim. Right. Okay, but in Purim, what happened in the end? Haman was killed, but then the Jews went and killed those who sought to kill them. Right. So, here we are celebrating, killing people, and then having a feast. Same thing with Passover, right? Uh, we, we left. We left Egypt. We uh, it, God told the Jews to take the bounty from the Egyptians, and then we left with all their bounty, and then we celebrate. So he's critical that after those who tried to destroy us, 
We are victorious, and we celebrate that. But that's his attack on the religious part of Judaism. Wow, I never heard that. As far as political, um, he said that American Jews spend too much money on Holocaust museums and not enough on Jewish day schools, and we haven't learned the lessons of the Holocaust. And every dollar that Jews in America give to Jewish organizations is another dollar that we are giving towards the occupation. So he is incredibly, he's virulently, he is anti-Israel. He wrote a column recently also saying that he, is, he opposes now just the Jewish state. He is, uh, speaks around the world. He belongs to, besides J Street, he speaks for the New Israel Fund, which is also a very anti-Israel organization. He has poisoned the minds of young Jews. A number of years ago, he spoke at Ramaz Jewish Day School in Manhattan. And there was a big backlash because after he spoke and poisoned all these young minds, right. he said the students should invite Rashid Khalidi to come speak so they should hear from a real Palestinian about the occupation. And the school was going to invite him. But then there was a backlash, so the invitation was rescinded. And Bynard criticized the school, saying, what, is your Zionism not strong enough to hear an opposing view? So this is how dangerous he is. He is pushing a Palestinian narrative that Israel is an occupier, that Israel does not treat Palestinians fairly, and in his book he even acknowledges that the term West Bank is not really Arab territory. He says he acknowledges that Jordan illegally annexed it in 48. Um, he said that, but Jordan doesn't want it back, and Israel has no right to it. So it should go to the Palestinians. So while the media today talks about the West Bank being occupied Palestinian territory, even the most virulent Israel basher is admitting that the, like West, that, that the West Bank was never a Palestinian land, but they should have it because the Jordanians don't want it back, and Israel has no right to it. So this is the logic of who we're arguing with, and yet they are still winning the narrative. Um, when you have on campus, college campuses, 180 groups called Students for Justice in Palestine, and I don't even know where they get their funding from. And you have heads of department and colleges who are all Muslimists and Palestinianists. The Jews are outnumbered, and we're outmaneuvered, we're outfinanced, and we're also outmotivated. I once said to somebody, you have 15 million Jews in the world with 30 million opinions. You have 1.5 billion Muslims in the world, and they all are on the same message. It's free Palestine and from the river to the sea. They know how to stay on message because their objective is to delegitimize Israel and the Jewish people. Whereas we Jews have no message, no cohesiveness, no unity. And this is our sin. And, you know, again, God has his plans for us. Um, but, again, thank God we have people like Avi Abelo and, and others. And we have to keep fighting back. And this is why I say that um, fighting anti-Semitism, fighting for Israel, is the responsibility of every Jewish person. It's not an organizational thing. Um, it's up to us. So let me ask you the following, because uh, from what I understood and heard from you, you basically said, before J Street, which again, uh, has, we can do a whole pro program on that and how J Street has basically destroyed, the, how Obama, with the creation of J Street under his administration, destroyed and undermined the support for of the Jewish people for their own Jewish state of Israel, and it's done un unbelievable destruction to the Jewish identity, the Jewish community, with with the existence of that organization. But before J Street, there was the organization called APAC, which still exists, and it basically monopolized and did a good job for a while on ensuring that there was bipartisan support for Israel, right? Both sides of the aisle 
there were pro-Israel voices and could be counted upon to vote against some of the horrible uh, decisions, policies, laws that whatever U.S. governments were, were trying to push forward that would have hurt, hurt Israel and the strong U.S.-Israel strate uh, strategic alliance. Then J Street came, upon, came into existence and today basically uh, J Street owns the Democrats and the Correct. Democrat politicians and they, 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 they're given an out. Oh, we're pro-Israel, but they're supporting laws that are horrible to Israel and horrible for the U.S.-Israel relationship. Case in point is the Iran deal, right? right? Horrendous for Israel, horrendous for the Middle East, horrendous for the world, horrendous for America. But so many pro-Israel Democrats voted for it because that's what Obama and even J Street right. said. No, 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 this is right. What is the, what is the future uh, 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 progress of this is the, is the situation going to get worse? Like we can no longer look uh, get real support from the Democrats because they're all in the J Street boat. Or do you uh, you have some optimism to say no 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 we're gonna uh, I don't know some optimism there. <laughs> okay, so I, I always used to be I still am an optimistic person, but I'm also very realistic. But let me throw in one more thing. Even before Obama and before J Street, during Bill Clinton's administration, Hillary Clinton before Oslo called for recognition of a Palestinian state. And it blew up in her face, and the White House said, you know, we have nothing to do with this, this was her statement. I remember that. But this, again, this was a trial balloon as far as I'm concerned. Uh, she had a long history of, uh, of animus towards Israel um, in books that I've read, that I incorporated into my book. Um, she was a supporter of Yasser Arafat back in the yeah, 70s. Yeah, there are pictures of her with Yasser Arafat and Sua Arafat. Yeah, so, so she, has, she had a long history. Um, later on, she kind of moved. Now, as far as APAC goes, remember, before there was J Street, APAC was the only game in town. Right. So there were a lot of Democrats who supported Israel because there was no risk to them. The, the Palestinianist movement did not exist. Right. And I knew one day that they would, that they right. would learn from us. But at that point, there was no pushback. There were no Linda Sarsours, there were no cares. So even if you didn't really support Israel, but you got to go to the APAC dinner, and if you've never been there before, APAC dinners were wonderful. So you go there, you show your face, you get an award from a yeshiva somewhere, and it was no skin off your back. Today... But politically, it was a win-win. Exactly. They had nothing to lose. But today, um, many of these Democrats are leftists, they are progressives. So now, and but they don't want to be called anti-Semitic. That's still, you know, it's still, it's not as bad as being called a racist, but it's still better or not. So if you can get on board with J Street, you can still say, we support Israel. Check all the boxes. Right, but we're trying to save Israel from itself. Right. And what they did was, they poisoned the left against Bibi Netanyahu, who had always been a rock star. I mean, even back in the day, Democrats liked him because he was very telegenic, very Americanized. Again, I understand that Americans and Israelis view Bibi differently. That's a different story. Um, but basically, Democrats today, you've got a new voting block. Democrats have learned that the majority of Jews in America do not put support for Israel as a priority. So therefore, they can kind of support Israel just enough to get over the hump, but they can call for a Palestinian state. Even though it's not democratic, and even though the, Pal the Palestinian Authority was born out of the PLO, which never, which never changed its its uh, charter, right. and now you've got a whole new voting block. You know, in Michigan, for example, Dearborn, Michigan, is has the largest Arab population outside the Middle East. That is uh, the, the district of Debbie Dingle and Rashida Talib, and that's going to get broken up a little bit. And there are other pockets around the country that have heavy heavy Arab votes. So now they can keep the Jewish vote by being just enough pro-Israel, and now get the Arab vote. Because Democrats don't have any 
core values or principles. I'm not being partisan. It's just the way it is. Democrats vote in blocks. You have the minorities, and they're losing them thanks to Donald Trump and many Hispanics who are always reliable Democrat voters and then moving to the Republican side. But at one point, they had black, Hispanic, women, black, brown, Jewish, and they had coalitions. They had the unions. Right. But all that's starting to fall apart now. You saw in Virginia yep, yep, when yep. Terry McAuliffe, who was a very big guy in the Clinton administration, got his, you know, his lunch hand to him by, by Glenn Youngkin, who voted, you know, whose campaign was about parents having the right to what the kids are taught in schools. And uh, he had uh, Randy Weingarten. Now, she's someone who should not be ignored. She's the head of the teachers' union in America. Her partner is Rabbi Sharon Kleinbaum, leader of the biggest gay synagogue in Manhattan and a supporter of BDS. She, too, has spoken at J Street conventions, beaten the hell out of Israel. She's the one that led the accusation that Israel's support of gay rights is basically pinkwashing. Wow. Israel supports gays so they can say, look, we're not anti-Palestinian, we're not apartheid, look at how we treat the gay community. That was her doing. And she lost a lot of members, even from her own very left-wing really? reform temple, because, you know what? We're liberal, we're progressive, but your constant Israel bashing, your signing with the BDS movement is too much even for us. That's Randy Weingarten's partner. And when Randy Weingarten spoke at J Street, going back again um, in, the, in the 2000s, she too said that Israel was acting as a racist country under Bibi's administration. And she's the head of the teachers? She's the head of the teachers union. The national? Yeah. The most wow. powerful. But hey, she's an awful speaker. So if you if you ever, any candidate who brings her to speak is basically sealing their death. There are some people who are good speakers, even if what they're saying is terrible and disgusting. Right. She is the kind of speaker, she could, she could ruin a cupcake. Wow. That's how bad she is. So based on everything you're saying and based on the reality of uh, the economic situation today in, in America, uh, foreign, foreign policy, what what's your what's your bet about 2022 is there going to be a change of the house in the senate so based using okay. using the change and i think it's important to the of the demographic demographics that you were referring to how there has been a switch over right. from from the the, uh, the traditional right. democrat voting publics to to the republicans so historically speaking the party out of power always wins that's just no matter who's in office but joe biden being so bad Kamala Harris being so bad and people being so disgusted with the anti-cop bashing in America, with the anti-education, with the soft on crime DAs who are being supported by another anti-Semitic uh, anti Jew, George Soros, everything points to a red typhoon coming 2022. And God willing, it'll continue in 2024 with whoever are the nominees for the Republican Party. So you're pretty, you're pretty confident based on the trends of what you see is happening. Or I have reason to be optimistic. Even if, I mean, again, I don't know who said this just the uh, past few days, and you're see, we're seeing the signs of Democrats jumping ship and changing the science right. that all of a sudden COVID's over. We could start, start people can, children can start taking off masks and whatever, all regulations. And, and someone mentioned, I don't know if it was Ben Shapiro or someone else mentioned that, uh, Biden is planning on saying in his State of the Union address that COVID is over. They succeeded as part of a uh, tw as part of leading up to 2022 to get the Democrats back on board to get voters. So even if something like that happens, Joe Biden doesn't have the credibility. Uh, remember, he came into office thinking that he was going to ride the Trump wave of warp speed, and because things looked like they were going to turn a corner uh, as he was coming into office, he was going to ride that. 
and then take credit for it, and then it blew up in his face with more deaths and more illnesses under his administration. He doesn't have the credibility to carry that message anymore. Uh, he wasn't for the longest time. He and his members uh, were saying that uh, inflation is a good thing. Spend less money. I mean, they were trying to spin everything that even the most naive person said, you know, even I don't believe this anymore. Um, when it came to Thanksgiving, perfect. Things go up. Don't spend so much money. Have a smaller family gathering this year. This was, their, an this was their answer, you know, to inflation. <laughs> um, uh, shelves being bare. It's because the demand is so high, people can't stop shopping. I mean, the logic that they come up with to spin, sometimes you spend too much and people just don't believe you anymore. So this administration really has lost so much credibility. Nancy Pelosi is not believable. Um, Chuck Schumer is not believable. Um, so all indications look, toward, look very positive for the Republican Party. But I still think with all of this, because the Democrats have been so legitimized and because of the rise of the squad and the progressive caucus in Congress, do not look for our problems to go away anytime soon. They have been given a voice, they have raised their voices, and unfortunately now they're no longer in the closet. So, Pat, final question. This is Pat, this is beyond 2022. I'll tell you what my concern is, because here, and I, I've been a, a voice, obviously supportive of any politician who sticks with the truth, which for the best for America is a strong U.S.-Israel relationship. Again, it's not about standing by Israel for Israel's sake. It's standing by Israel for Americans' sake in so many ways without having to go into detail right now. And basically, the Democratic Party has been lost. It's turned anti-Israel, even in the name of being pro-Israel, with, with, with that cover of, of J Street. My fear is that the uh, the anti-Israel public, especially with the growth, the tremendous growth of the Muslim population in America, now that they conquered the Democratic Party, they're going to try to to sweep little by little through the Republican ranks. Because again, you go into communities and a Republican wants to be voted in, well, he has to get the Muslim vote. Little by little, one Republican after another might be turning and turning against Israel in those ways in order for his demographic. So, so that's my concern. Is that a, is that a, a valid concern? Listen, you know what? Who am I to say what could happen? But I'll give you, let me give you a great example. Several years ago, Ted Cruz spoke at a dinner um, and he was praising Israel. And people in the audience started heckling him. He said, you know what, if you're not going to stand with Israel, I can't stand with you. And he walked off stage. Wow. How many politicians who are there at a dinner to be honored will walk off stage? So there are a lot of Republicans who support Israel on principle. And I said this back in 2005. I'd written a column predicting when the Democrats were going to walk away from Israel. Because, you know, support for Israel for different reasons. You have religious reasons, which is why we have the Christian evangelicals and the Christian Zionists, people who are just pro-military, and they understand that Israel is vital for national security. And then you have those who believe in democracy. Now, look at what the Democrat base is. These are not, they're not religious people. Talking about God is to the detriment. Uh, they are an anti-military party. They're always looking to cut our own military. Um, and as far as democracy goes, well, these are people who always want to change the laws applying to democracy. So if they're going to be anti-issues that are important for America, how do you expect them to support issues that are important for the American-Israel relationship? Right. Whereas for now, at least for the near future, Republicans have interest in Israel, whether you like Jews, you don't like Jews, you're lukewarm, you have best friends who are Jews, their ideology and their values require a strong relationship with Israel. Israel is not 
a charity case. They are not a welfare case. Israel is a is the only democracy in the Middle East. They are the buffer. They are for, for they are the base for stability. There is a reason why you have Arab countries now having relations with Israel. There's a reason why in Bahrain, in the Gulf states, they're going to play Hatikva because they themselves have grown tired of the PLOPA cause, which they know, they knew all along was nonsense, right. but they went along with it because of their own interest. Right. Now they've all grown up. So they've grown up, and it's time for Americans to grow up also. And again, that, that particularly uh, refers to people in Washington. Interesting. All right. Alan, thank you so much for your insight. Really Pleasure. appreciate it. And looking forward to next time you come to the Holy Land. Absolutely. Look forward to seeing you again. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed this talk uh, with Alan and the insight he has, again, from someone very, very connected, involved both in the political and media level uh, in American politics and standing up for, for the truth for Israel. That is for the benefit of the United States of America and all American citizens. Uh, hope you enjoyed. Please share the video. And signing off for another episode of the Pulse of Israel here you know, in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel. Shalom, everyone. Thanks for watching. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.